Welcome to Disco Coolia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Disco Coolia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Disco Coolia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. And here we are in Redmond, Washington, and with me is Laura Jackson, the writer of the book uh, Discovering Disco Coolia, and Dr. Schroeder is here, the founder of Disco Coolia Services. And uh, we're just going to have, I think, uh, a free-roaming conversation. And the topic is, well, my dear listeners, you will know what it is. It is Disco Coolia. And her book is on the table. I see lists of questions here. And let's listen to the ladies. Yes, we're going to talk about this um, this wonderful book that I think is uh, um, timed very well because there are so many parents now who are really at a loss of what happens with their kids. They talk to the school and they do not really get the answers they need. That's basically the issue. Now, what do you do as a parent if you are in such a situation? I think if you read this book, you get very valuable information but also a very positive outlook there can be things done to help students who struggle with this don't keep them struggling where they are that's basically your message right yes yeah really understanding um, their situation and I was I was thinking there's so many parents who just see their child struggling so then they try to force them through instead of really understanding what's going on and even now, I run into people, and their first question is, "Well, how do you um, how do you fix it?" Yeah. Their first thing, and I have to slow them down to be like, "Well, it's more about understanding what's going on, because then you can know how to help best and accept what is hard for them." Yes. And seeing, and and you have that that's a red thread that I I saw through the book that you say, "Okay, but we're playing this game, for instance, at home." And you're kind of puzzled, why does my little girl not enjoy this? Why does she not keep doing this? Or why is she always losing and, and maybe become even a little bit of a sore loser because she internalizes, okay, this has something to do with numbers and again, I cannot do it. And they feel, they start feeling bad about themselves. And that I feel is, is one of your big messages for parents please stand with your child don't like come down on on their kids like you have to do this that and the other but first okay let's see what does this mean for you in your situation how do you feel about it and then from there trying to kind of do something about it right yes yep exactly i had a funny situation and this happens to me i mean you can cut and change yeah, how you yeah. want, but um, someone recently I was sharing how um, how we've modified her math learning, and one of those things I brought up was that we aren't focusing, we aren't drilling her on her math multiplication tables, and that um, she's learned like for two times, her five times, and ten times, yeah. and then the rest of them she uses yep. uh, logic. Here's her shape. Okay. Okay, where were we? Well, maybe let's uh, let's go back to the beginning, and uh, maybe for our dear listeners, give us a give us a short on your life, Laura, and and how did you get to yeah. writing a book you, like this? You are a true writer, right? 
It comes natural to you. Thank you. I I wouldn't have considered myself a writer before the book, but um, a couple years ago when we made a move out of the city and into a beautiful uh, island space, I started reading The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and it's about uncovering your inner artist. And I started writing every day, so I still write uh, my morning pages every day, three three pages longhand. And I, looking back, I realized I always did enjoy writing in college, and I had journals. I would write all. I wrote every day mostly until I uh, had babies, and then <laughs> stopped. But um, the diapers to go. Yeah, exactly. So that, anyway, so it reignited that, and then when I started the blog. I was enjoying processing and writing our story that way, and then that's when the um, small the publisher found me and said, "I found your blog, and would you write a book?" And I thought, "Well, that's crazy! Like, I thought maybe I'd write a book in like 10 years, but maybe I should go for it because everything in the artist way says that when you step out and say yes to something, the universe just kind of opens up." So I thought, "Well, they're going to give me an editor, and they're going to teach me how to write." So I said yes. I mean, it wasn't that quick. I was, you know, unsure. My husband's like, go for it. <laughs> anyway, I uh, I really enjoyed the writing process, actually. Um, I would take off every Saturday and go away for most of the day and write, and my husband would take care of uh -huh, uh -huh. getting the house clean with the kids. Wow. And, um, Very supportive. Yes. So you need to support the person. Otherwise, you don't get the book. <laughs> Otherwise, it's hard to get it done. Yeah, and then the editor was wonderful, too, just helping me be clear and taking out all the extra words and making it flow. Um, so that's how the writing happened. So the happened. whole process from beginning to start, how, how long was that? Uh, about two years. So they asked me right after I started the blog at the beginning of the pandemic and then they reached out to me that summer. So it was, yeah. A couple of years. And, yeah, and during, during that time, your daughter Made, went through a lot of changes also, yes. education, yes. seen from her education. Yes, uh, the move and she was getting into middle school and so we were looking at different options and trying to figure out, she hadn't had any real, she was in special education but didn't yeah. really have any dyscalculia specific help and so we were at this point where we thought we got to do something different and I never thought I would be the teacher, <laughs> but especially with math. The artist in you. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, well, I can learn with her. You know, we can. Uh, we started with Ronnet Bird's books, uh -huh. and then moved into um, using Jane Emerson's dyscalculia solution. So we could like. I could just follow along. Which is along. a little bit more structured, yes. and also she is so used to kids who have severe dyscalculia. Yes, and I think she yeah, she's one of my uh, my favorite writers too. Yes. I think she really knows what she's talking about, and you can feel the um, the experience she has. And and in the book, you also read. Take your time. This is not going to go fast. This is not a quick fix. Um, and it has a lot of pictures and examples. I think, yeah, that is a good um, anchor to use. Yes, especially for, I'm not trained as a teacher, so, uh, you know, having basically kind of the lessons out there for me, and then I would supplement with 
reading other things and learning about it. Um, we'd sometimes even watch videos, like some of Brian Butterworth's videos. And um, I loved your video on, I think it's on one of your classes, but it was on um, moving into percentages um, and making that real hands-on and dividing it up like you know that the whole is 100% and that it's just a way to um, kind of divide things up like think about that way and that yeah, way that, you want, you want yeah. it in small steps yes and also I, I've I'm always on the lookout on how can I make this tangible, not uh, not the formula on paper, not yeah. the, not a pen and pencil. That isn't an <laughs> old paper. That's not work. If that would work for those kids, right. they would need us. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. We already know that doesn't work, and that yeah. is that is what I think is a pity that a lot of. Um, Teachers still think, okay, more of the same will help those kids. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, I have questions for you now on that. Because so. <laughs> we recently finished the uh, solution book. And um, so we're kind of like on to the next steps. And I think that is for her more work with fractions and decimals. And so that was one of the questions I was going to ask for you is as she gets older, um, you know, we'll keep using these methods, and but uh, yeah, what's next? Because somebody needs to really come up with a great curriculum that people could just. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just yeah. need forty-eight hours in a in a day, and it will be there in a year. All right, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's that, that is a, that's an important question. And I, I feel that there is some material at least available for the younger kids. Yes. But that doesn't go away when you're at the yes. end of the book, right? You still need more material. So, um, to give you a good advice on that, I would like to know a little bit more details. Yeah. So maybe let her do our online test. Yeah. Um, and then get in touch with you so yeah. that I know exactly what she can yeah. do. What she and also please keep the keep her scripts, her, her note writing. Okay. So she she will yep. uh, have to do some drawings. So either drawing or or uh, writing numbers or underneath or however she does that. Maybe she uses square paper. I'm a big advocate yep. for square paper. Um, Scan the whole thing in and send it to me because it gives a lot of extra information. Because you zoom into what kind of mistakes does she make, mm -hmm. so that tells me okay, that is what is hard for her. That that's the type of program I can kind of pull up for her because there are options. Yeah, I want. I did want to ask you about the because I know you do a screening. Yeah. Yep. So the screener that Dr. Scherzer has uh, has 15 different modules. Okay. And depending on the grade and the results that you that you type in, the yeah. answers you type in, it will choose which modules you're going to do. So it's a flexible uh, thing. And also which so, questions you right. get. So Not nobody. Everybody get the same questions. Right. Nobody will do 15 model modules. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and it measures time, it, it, it also measures your, uh, how proficient you are in typing first, so that we know if you're a slow process or not, oh, and yeah. then depends your answers on that, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting system.
So they do it online, but they also send in the the sheets that you said that the student figured out their answers on because you can learn. Not everybody that. does that, but okay. I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> it just completes the picture. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that's the. Uh, and you the immediately get a result right. emailed to you, but I have the the exact questions and the exact answers, and that is not all in the narrative because I wanted to translate it into a kind of readable narrative for yeah. uh, parents and, and teachers and to have, if you have a tutor, um, where to start. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I can look in more detail. Yes. I she love can that. see basically every keystroke every, that you every make. And so gives. from that she can learn a lot about how the student has been working. Yeah. Yeah. And what you get is a, is a five-page report printed out. Yeah. But that's only but a narrative all that gives you the, the highlights. Right. All yes. the addition questions in an average put all the uh, subtraction questions, multiplication, division. So you get a level for each of these, okay. which is already more detailed than the regular psych testing because they throw everything on one pile. And actually this was born out of my kind of disappointment with those big uh, tests that you get a, a general level but it's an average and it can be that the kid is like on grade level or even above with addition and is two or three grade levels below grade placement with multiplication they average that out and they say everything's fine yes that would be my daughter because her addition was fine and then her subtraction was, was maybe very lower, really low, but she would always just at school kind of just come in average. Yeah, but that's and they they were like, "There's no problem with her math." Exactly. Yeah, well, there is. <laughs> no, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Now, what was your next question? I did question? have. Can I ask that question? Sure. I yeah. wanted to know how it became your passion. Like, how did you hear about it? How did you get into it? What's the What's the story? Well, the story is quite comparable to your book. Is it? Okay. Only my daughter has dyslexia. Okay. So we ran into the same issue from school. Ah, uh, yeah. That um, it was all fine, and her verbal. Um, level was like sixth grade, while her actual decoding level was kindergarten. That leveled out to third grade when she was in third grade, so she did not have dyslexia. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Very funny. Mm -hmm. Well, my passion is in math. It comes natural to me. What am I doing here? So I stopped the whole thing, was at home for two years, read everything that I could lay my hand on about this which is not a lot, but yes, a lot of reading. <laughs> and then, yeah, and because I'm a slow reader, so the, the dyslexia genes come from me, not from him. Anyway, so, um, and then here's this mom on the phone. Yeah, I heard you're interested in math and my son has a problem. Do you want to tutor him? So one thing comes after another. This mom speaks to that mom and that school and all of a sudden I'm full-time tutor and writer and speak at conferences. And As I said in my book, you're the only one in the U.S. that I know of. <laughs> we haven't found anyone else yet. That's another of my pet peeves. We have wonderful research here in the US, but it doesn't trickle down or it takes like a decade or more to trickle down to the actual practice in the classroom. And that's where I want to work with my LDA, uh, and I'm kind of in an advisory board there now, that um, 
the teachers' colleges actually um, prepare their prospective teachers for what is going on in their classroom because every classroom, one in 20 kids, has this issue. So teachers need to know about it before they start their career. So I was surprised that special ed teachers hadn't been trained and most of them said they hadn't even had a class about it and they just heard about it. Some of them had. Um, and that was surprising to me. And that is what needs to change as, as, as fast as possible. Is that why you're focusing on, that was my, another question, is, is that why you're focusing on tutors? Because tutors can get trained up and get working exactly. with these students before, like the school system's so sluggish, yeah. it takes forever. But parents like you are very influential because if you talk, and you talk in a, in a friendly way, you're, you're not like, um, throwing mud at the teachers. They, yeah. they, they, they try their best, only they don't have the tools. Yes, like you want, you, you're on, we're on their team, we're just... <laughs> yeah, so how can we as parents um, make sure that the educational system provides teachers with this knowledge? That's what I, I try to do. And if, if there are enough parents who ask for it, that really helps. Also, just writing to your senator. Yes. Say hello. Some some um, states already have legislature about this coculia. We need this too in Washington. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so now. You're on the other side. You don't focus on tutors. You focus on the parents, right? Yes. I've been trying to focus on parents because I feel like, well, I remember in one of Butterworth's books, he talks about like policies need to change, research needs to grow, and yeah, the triangle. And I thought, well, I fit really well into that like parent like advocacy. He yes. said something funny about uh, parents need to get angry and uh, change. I have a hard time getting angry, but I can get passionate. So Persistence. Yeah, persistent. So I thought, well, I can do that. Um, I, I have this um, following on emails. I every Saturday morning I send out like an educational email about this calculia, and a lot of my followers are actually teachers who are interested. But they're kind of doing their own research. It's not coming from the top down to them. And they hardly have time to do that. They hardly have time. And some of them, yeah, I've even worked with uh, one teacher was asking me about um, books to use, and but then she wrote me back. She's like, I'm so bogged down by all the curriculum choices, and we're just going to have to not. We don't have time to work on that right now on dyscalculia. And I thought, well, that's sad because she was in special ed, so probably most of the students struggling with math are probably dyscalculic. Um, so I would say mostly, I'm trying to focus mostly on parents um, because I think I, I could uh, help with the change there. But I'm also trying to do what I can to help teachers, but kind of funnel them. Do you know what I mean? So if I can say to them, go take Dr. Schroeder's program, you know, or go here to get what you need, then I, I feel like that's doing my, my part. Talk um, a little bit about your initiative. Uh, you got to have uh, like courses or, or events for uh, for parents that they can sign up. Yeah. Online. So last fall I started a class online called right. Your Dyscalculia Adventure, and I called it adventure because uh, once when my our children were young we went on a family vacation, and it wasn't very it didn't feel very vacationy because it was hard, but it was memorable, and I remember. A, a wiser friend said to me, oh, we call those family adventures. Like, it's meaningful and it's important, but it's not necessarily relaxing. So, um, 
I call it your dyscalculia adventure because I want to have that sense of like this is a journey and a process and we're not just fixing things and also that there can be a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, anxiety and really hard things about it and I, I think even grief but there's also um, a lot to look forward to and a lot of positive outcome that can come with it so it is kind of an adventure you know up and down so so um, I taught a couple of the classes last fall and then I'm starting up a new one in March two, two of them so we meet a small group of parents like five or six yeah online. yeah not too many right yeah. it needs to be their personal story yep and it's not they're not recorded so they can be real yeah, they and can yeah so I talk about just specifics of what I've learned about dyscalculia I talk about how to help your child with anxiety and a lot of that is being aware of our own anxieties about it and maybe unrealistic expectations we have put on our children and then uh, I talk about education and I keep it really basic like I have a, a list of what I've learned from you and other experts on what are kind of the basics that's needed how does that look different than regular yeah. math because a lot of the schools are like well we'll just start you your kid at a lower level and it's like that that doesn't cut it so um, and then I'm offering just a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with yeah. people oh, it's yeah. just like hey I've been there done that and what are you specifically um, struggling with and how can I help so I'm starting there and we'll see what happens I have dreams of also doing something for kids where you could have kind of a webinar and talk with them on real on their level maybe have my daughter involved um, so that they understand themselves better right. and that whole emotional piece of feeling um, and advocacy for themselves. Yes, yeah. exactly. But that's down the road. That's down the road. Yeah. One of the future plans. Now, yeah. if you would say your, your three yeah. most important messages for parents, what would those be? I would say... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, that understanding your child and their situation, whether it's dyscalculia or some other learning disability, and really having a curiosity about it can just help so much, help with their, um, their confidence, help with your confidence, and also the connection between you, because I saw that, I see that happen with my daughter a lot, where I will, it'll hit me, I'll be like, oh, that's why that's so hard for you. The yes. clock doesn't make sense because... And there's yeah. a reason for that, and she'll come up to me and give me a hug in that moment. And that says to me, she feels seen and she feels understood. Yes. And we may not know the answer to it, but she understands that I get, oh, that's what this, that's what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and then also, I, I really like to encourage people to look for, so here's an area they struggle, but where are the areas they really excel? And kind of a strengths-based approach, because I think that helps not only with their confidence, but it also helps you with the math learning. So my daughter actually has really high, she tested really high on visual spatial skills. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, so she, um, so we've, when it comes to math, turns out she really loves geometry and right, switching right, these right. shapes around and stuff. So, um, you know, we can use that in, um, when we're doing math. And the other thing she loves is 
um, she loves storytelling and writing. Uh -huh. And so she always gets mad when we call them math story problems because she's like, these are the worst stories. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and they're unrealistic. And, and they're, they're unrealistic. Not, they're not supposed to be unrealistic. Yeah. Math should make sense. Yes. It should be real distances. Yes. So she's real, made up her own real stories, like on um, um, place value. Yeah. She has a story. She's made the place values into houses. And she has this story about people visiting and, oh, there's too many people in this house. And so we're going to have to send somebody uh -huh. over nice. to the next house. Yeah. And that's clicked with her. And she got really excited and drew a picture of it. Um, so I was, yeah, I like to tell parents to look for those. Like, don't just spend all your time getting on them for the things that they struggle with, but where, are the, where do they excel and how can you encourage that? She's also an artist, so we really try to encourage a so lot of So it is know your, know your child yeah. and, and it's also look at the, at the strong sides, not only at the weaknesses. Yeah. And what is your third message? I would say take a look at yourself and get some help for yourself where you need it. I think a lot of us as parents have our own blocks and baggages that we just you know, send on to our kids and don't realize it. You know, we may have ideas about um, what it means to not be good at math. That means you're not going to get a good education. That means you're not going to go anywhere. Like, things that don't have to be true, but we kind of, we pass them on without realizing it. So a lot of my journey has been realizing those, some people call them like limiting beliefs. Like, where do I have those limiting ideas? And then kind of challenge them, like, are those really, is that really true, you know? Um, could it be done a different way? And um, that's really helped me. Or if I'm feeling stressed out, oftentimes it's something I'm stressed about. Like, um, I think I shared in my book a story about being anxious about paying, making enough money to pay for college and that it was, a, you know, I had to make enough to get through and sometimes I'll get anxious about my daughter's struggles with money but it's because I've, I've jumped way down the road you know right. to how is she gonna handle money and it's like well those are my own anxieties and we're gonna figure out what she needs as we go along and her story's not my story you know so kind of separating that out I think would be the third thing I, I would say too for parents don't be afraid to get help right. yeah I am um, I actually signed up for help with the Emerson School and yeah um, we couldn't afford tutoring for my daughter at the moment so I said would you tutor me yeah. would you meet with me once a week or you know we met for a few times and help me so I can teach her and so um, that's been really helpful too so now where can people find you online before yeah. we, before we forget that uh, all the information about your classes uh, what's yes. the best way to reach you my website is lauramjackson.com I did that because I thought people don't know how to spell dis dyscalculia. I know. We live <laughs> that can, dream every day. I know, but you can also go to discoveringdyscalculia.com. It'll take you to the same place. But Laura M. Jackson is easier to remember. Um, and on there I have like my blog, access to my book, my class, and people can also sign up for that Saturday email just to learn a little bit, uh, a little bit more about dyscalculia. I get good feedback on that from teachers and parents, like, oh, I didn't realize that, or I have adults who have dyscalculia, and they'll write back, oh my goodness, I didn't realize, I, I've always struggled with spreadsheets, and I didn't know that was why. And so it's a fun, I find a, an engaged group that's fun to talk with. Good. Yeah. Good. So now you have some more questions for the dog. And she's sitting here 
Drinking her coffee. Fire along. Ready, ready for all the questions. Yeah. So I had a, I asked a few of them, but one of them I have is, what do you do about? It's really hard when there's a lot of people out there that will say they do dyscalculia tutoring, and I find it's usually what you kind of mentioned is they started with dyslexia, then they realized students have trouble with math. So they call themselves dyscalculia tutors. But then when I start like looking into how they're teaching, I don't know if I'm being too picky, but I don't see a lot of leaning on the experts that I that I follow. Um, and I find they're just using regular traditional math programs and then calling it dyscalculia tutoring. And I just wonder, what do you do with that? And how do you find out if someone is actually um, trained? Is that, you're smiling at me like you've thought about this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, a lot of dyslexia tutors are confronted with parents who say, oh, but wait a minute, my uh, son or daughter is also struggling with math. You already know him or her. Uh, could you please also do some math? And usually they focus on the multiplication tables that need to be kind of hammered in according to the parents and according to the dyslexia tutors as if it were sight works. And I have the, the traditional flashcards, like you have the site, the Dolce's um, 100 most used sight word uh, list and the 200 most used sight word list. Instead of that, they do uh, the math facts. And um, they try by just presenting it over and over and over again, that magically it will stick. Sometimes, or you end up crying, which was our situation. Exactly. So, <laughs> what I see is that that gives a lot of frustration from the side of the student, but also from the side of the, the tutor, because they think, "Hey, wait a minute! Um, it, it worked for my other students. It worked for my own kids. Why does it not work for you? Probably you don't pay attention, or probably you don't try hard enough. I hear that from parents all the time. And that is not what we need. Those kids already work twice as hard as another one. They need more breaks, more repetition, and more explanation. So, like you said, those multiplication tables of the 2, the 5, and the 10 are golden. So they know that. Feel free to hang out. Yeah. So, whenever they... Um, A short interruption here. She's doing math actually at this moment. She's calculating the tip for the coffee. Okay. Now your 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 the short answer to your question: How can we know that somebody's actually trained uh, yeah. in dyscalculia? Ask if they have a certificate from Dr. Schroeder's dyscalculia well, tutor yeah, training. All are from from the UK. Wait a minute. There's a course in the UK and there's a course in the Netherlands. Only it's in Dutch. So that works for me, but not for a lot of people over here. But it's always good to ask them where yes. did you get trained. Okay. Yes. Just ask also, them where did you get trained and, and wait for the answer. If they did the self-training, that's okay. Ask them which books did you read. Yes. Yes. And also give them a, a question My, that you know. Um, for instance, the three times eight was difficult. And you tell them, well, I've been working with my child on memorizing three times eight, 
and it doesn't work. How would you help my kid doing that? And if they come up with the, the traditional idea, oh, I would do the, the flashcards a few more times because I know it will stick, maybe you need to have the telephone book out and call somebody else. <laughs> Yes. Now, the, okay. uh, the other thing is that, uh, and, and Dr. Schroeder doesn't like to tout her own uh, horn, but uh, she's realized this issue that a lot of the dyslexia tutors now also get confronted with questions about dyscalculia. Yes. And, so and they want to help. And they want yes. to help. And in preparation now is a transition course that we are recording at this moment, which is specifically for dyslexia tutors to transition into dyscalculia. Yes, that's because they true. they already know a lot about learning disabilities. Yes, they know the lingo yeah. about IEPs, yes. ARDs. They are yes. familiar with that. They understand they the know, differences. They yeah. know how to work one on one with children. They already know that, and there are a lot of parallels between dyslexia and dyscalculia. Just yes. the words are different, and dyscalculia is slightly more complex. And so they and and so there's different manipulatives and different tools that you use. Yeah. And so that will be introduced, but but the dyslexia tutors already have a huge advantage over a teacher that comes in from the cold. And so they don't need the whole dyscalculia tutor training. And so they could actually do it a transition course. And that's what we're working on now to provide that for them. That would be amazing. <laughs> it sends the people that, your that way. Would basically cover the initial years, um, like you said from the Emerson House uh, book, mm -hmm. those people will probably not go as far as doing fractions, decimals, percent, and We're not going to multiply polynomials. And those, uh, those type of things. Only but, two fourth grade, yeah. basically fourth, fifth grade, and that's where, where it stopped. But that is that is where you need to catch those children with this cochlea, that is really where it starts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that will be a transition course. Uh, we don't want to create any expectations, but we're hoping before Christmas. <laughs> but it will definitely take that, that much time. Uh, yeah. 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 And obviously we need to be an advocate in the educational system for early screening. Because if you wait till third, fourth grade by helping those kids, it takes three to five times as long to get them back on track. If you catch them in kindergarten and first grade, where you can clearly see what's going on, if you know a little bit more about uh, screening, that's where we need to work. So the, the first grade, the kindergarten and the first grade teachers, they need to be on the watch out for this. Yes. And they need to have a pull-out program because at that moment you highly likely can help those kids with a uh, small group pull-out program. When you wait till third, fourth, fifth grade, you can only do a one-on-one. -on -one. It's costly and it's devastating for the kids and it will go on way till the end of middle school. Yeah, that would be, that was, that's what happened for us. I always wish that we had figured it out sooner. I mean, you can always never, you can never go back, but um, I really think we've been able to start with what we did start in sixth, we didn't start till sixth grade learning with these dyscalculiac specific tools. Yeah. If that had started, you know, back in, in first grade, <laughs> first grade, that would have been, should be at a much different place. Um, but that's hopeful for people who are at that place, if they can notice that earlier and then get going on that. 
And so, my dear listeners, they both agree that the early early detection is uh, is key. Uh, at this moment, uh, we'll have to phase out of this free-flowing conversation about Discoculia. Thank you for listening. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from DiscoculiaHeadlines.com. You can find us on the web at DiscoculiaHeadlines.com, and we are on Twitter at DiscoculiaHead. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments, and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.